Uh, we're going to receive communion in just a few moments. And so I'm going to look at a story this morning that deals with communion and how we can partake of communion and be blessed by this uh, holy sacrament this morning. This morning, I want to preach on the thought, three meals with God. Three meals with God. Somebody shout that with me. Three meals with God. Open your Bibles to the book of Luke chapter 22 and listen to the words of St. Luke as I read the story to you about the Lord's Supper. Luke chapter 22 and beginning with verse number 14. The scripture will be behind me, uh, but I'm going to read it from the, the physical Bible here. Luke chapter 22 and verse number 14. When the hour had come, uh, he sat down with the 12 apostles with him. And he said to them, with fervent desire, I have desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. For I say to you, I will no longer eat of it until it is fulfilled in the kingdom of God. Then he took the cup, gave thanks and said, take this, divide it among yourselves for I say unto you, I will not drink of the fruit of the vine until the kingdom of God comes. And he took the bread, gave thanks, and broke it, gave it to them, saying, This is my body which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Likewise, also he took the cup after the supper, saying, This is the cup of the new covenant in my blood which is shed for you. But behold, the hand of my betrayer is with me on the table." And truly the Son of Man goes as it has been determined, but woe to the man to whom he is betrayed. Then they begin to question among themselves which of them it was that would do this thing. Three meals with God. Lord, add your blessing to the preaching of the word. Open our ears and our hearts that we would receive it. And everyone shouted a great big amen. Well, who likes to eat this morning? All right, about 50 of you. I don't know where the rest of you are at. I said, who likes to eat this morning? Okay, let me ask another question. Who likes to eat a lot? <laughs> well, don't worry. I won't ask who likes, to, who, who likes to eat a lot more than they should. But all of us have a tendency to eat more than we should. And that's okay. Personally, I think that food is a wonderful invitation God has designed it for it to be a wonderful invitation. That's why the, your tongue has taste buds. Because God has designed your mouth to enjoy food. All of us are made differently. All of us experience life differently. But all of us can agree that food is wonderful and food is good. God has created it to be wonderful, and God has created it to be good. He chose to make us dependent on food. Without food, you would never live. Without food, you would not survive. You can only go about 40 days without food, and you will die. You are dependent on that substance. you got to have it for your body to be nourished. He created us in such a way that food tastes good to the taste buds. And it brings satisfaction to the body. Can you imagine eating food with no taste buds? It wouldn't be enjoyable. Most of us probably wouldn't eat a lot of it. But God has designed that food should be enjoyable. 
Food is important to every one of us. Everyone in this building, we have something in common. All of us love sleep and we all love food. We have something in common. Food is important to us not only physically, but socially as well. Have you ever thought about how much things uh, involves food? Weddings involves food. Funerals involves food. Church gatherings and church after, you know, after we go to church, we eat, etc. I mean, a company picnics involves food. I mean, uh, go out to eat with your coworkers and co-friends, etc. Everything involves food. You can't get away from it. Tim Stafford, in a book he wrote, Tim Stafford is a, 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 a kind of like a theologian. He wrote a book called um, Knowing the Face of God. And in that book, he states this, and I quote, because he was dealing with the idea of food, how it is social, how it is relatable, how it brings people together. And he says this important quote about food. He says this, the same food that goes into my stomach and becomes a part of me also goes into your stomach and becomes a part of you. Thus, food brings people together. I remember years ago when I was pastoring my first church, years ago, I was 22 years old, and I came into a church that was divided. Uh, You know, and sometimes that happens. Uh, The former pastor was, uh, I think, 86 years old, and I came, and I was 22. That's a great difference. Different mindsets. He was a great man. Uh, It was a great church. It was just a difference of opinions, and sometimes that happens. And so I came to a church that was somewhat divided. I remember I would preach a sermon, and right after I was done, I would go to the door and shake hands, and everybody would exit the building within three minutes of the last amen. I mean, there was no social gathering. There was nobody talking, nobody fellowshipping. There was no noise, no babies crying. It was very, very hard emotionally on me. And the Lord really dealt with me and because I, I was praying, what can I do to bring people together. And the Lord says, I want you to start having fellowship. And so I started having potluck dinners almost every other week after church. I did it to bring people together, to promote healthy conversations among God's people. And eventually that's what happened. All of that stuff became healed. People begin to fellowship with one another. People begin to talk with one another and they begin to build healthy relationships. What are you saying, pastor? Food has a way of bringing us together. And one of the qualifications for an elder, which is a pastor or a bishop, is that he has to be given to hospitality. You have to open your home to hospitality. You have to entreat strangers. You've got to open your house and learn how to show hospitality and spread the table and make sure you invite people. That's one of the qualifications of someone in ministry because hospitality is very, very important. I've learned one thing about hospitality. Hospitality may not change people, but it does create a space for people to be changed. It does create a space for people to be changed. And over and over in the Gospels, what did Jesus do? Jesus would eat with people. He ate with tax collectors. He ate with the scribes. He ate with the Pharisees. He ate with the uh, Pharisees and Sadducees. Jesus' method of reaching people was eating with them. Because eating has a way of opening our heart to be relational with the other person. Now, I understand that God is not a physical person. He doesn't eat physical food like you and I. God is a spirit. 
He doesn't eat food, so to speak. But God creates opportunities in our life for God to meet with us. And having a meal is an opportunity for God to meet with us. When we say grace over our food, it's an invitation for God to come and fellowship with us. You say, well, Pastor Josh, I'm not sure if I agree with this. Well, I have a plethora of scripture that I can show with you how people would eat together and the presence of the Lord would show up. Because listen, you cannot be divided in a church and expect the presence of God to show up. When you come together and you're eating together and you're fellowshipping with one another, you are speaking into one another's life, you're opening your heart and you're listening to one another, that creates an opportunity for miracles to happen in God's house. So I want to tell you, more fellowship means more of the presence of the Lord. More fellowship means more of the presence of the Lord. Look at this, Genesis chapter 18. Look at this, Genesis chapter 18. Have you ever met people that don't like to fellowship, that don't like people, that don't want to talk to people? And I, I want to say this, I want to say this very respectfully, and I understand that we're all different. I understand that. And some people are extroverts or introverts. But being an introvert or an extrovert has nothing to do with your heart for people. Because I believe that when you are saved and you love Jesus, you should love the people of God. Can I hear an amen? You should love the people of God. You may not act like me. You may not be as exuberant as me, but you should have a heart for the people of God and to want to be with the people of God. The Bible says in Genesis chapter 18, I want you to look at this familiar passage of scripture that all of you have read before, but maybe you didn't see what I'm about to show you. Genesis chapter number 18, and I want you to see what begins to happen here. And and this is Abram or Abraham, and the Bible is is telling us an experience about how the Lord appeared to Abraham. The Lord, Genesis chapter 18, verse 1, the Lord appeared to Abraham as Abraham was, I think, sitting by a tree in the heat of the day, the Lord appears to Abraham. Now I want you to pay attention. You see in verse number 1, the Lord appears to Abraham. Now look at verse number 2. So he lifted up his eyes and looked, and behold, there was three men who were standing by him. And when he saw them, he ran to the tent to meet them, bowed himself to the ground. Look at verse number 3. And he said, My Lord... If I have now found favor in your sight, do not pass on by your servant. Please let a little water be brought and let me wash your feet and rest yourself under this tree. Verse number five, I will bring you a morsel of bread that you may be refreshed, but that your hearts may be refreshed after that you may pass by insomuch as you have come to your servant. They said, do as you have said. So Abraham hurried into the tent and said to Sarah, quickly, Make ready three measures of fine meal, knead it and make some cakes. And Abraham ran to the herd and took a tender and a good calf, gave it to the younger man, and he hastened to prepare it. So they took some butter and took some milk and the calf which they had prepared, and they set it before them. And he stood by them under the tree as they what? Ate. Then they said to him, Where is Sarah your wife? And so he said, Here in the tent. And he said, I will certainly return to you according to the time of your life. And behold, Sarah, your wife, shall have a son. And Sarah was listening at the tent of the door, which was behind him. Now Abraham and Sarah was well advanced in age, and Sarah had passed the age of childbearing. 
Then Sarah laughed within herself, I have grown old. Shall I have pleasure, my Lord, being old also? And the Lord said to Abraham, who? The Lord. The Lord said to Abraham, is there anything too hard for the Lord? Now, I want you to pay attention. I could read the whole story. But the thing that I want you to see in verse number one, the Lord appears to Abraham. And verse number two, he sees three people. Now, one of the three people that he saw was the Lord. Now, this is a a theonopathy. This is a a case where the Lord appears in the Old Testament, uh, and he appears as a man here. He's one of the three. Now, how do I know that? Well, verse number one says the Lord appeared to Abraham. Verse number two, three people shows up. Uh, Number three, he bows before them. He entreats them. And then verse number 13, look at verse number 13. Verse number 13, the Lord said to Abraham, so one of the three men was the Lord. Verse 13, the Lord said to Abraham, and then verse number 22, look at verse number 22, and this is the key to the verse. Genesis 18, verse 22, then the men turned away from there and went towards Sodom, but Abraham still stood before the Lord. The two other men left, but one of the men stood with Abraham, which was the Lord. Now, what's the key here? Verse number one, the Lord shows up to him. Verse number two, three men. But obviously, one of the three men is the Lord because of verse number 13 and verse number 22. Verse 22 says, the other two left, but Abraham stood with the Lord. So the key here is when these three men showed up to Abraham, one of them was the Lord God. And the very first thing that Abraham does was tells his wife, I want you to go get some food. I want you to prepare it. Get some bread. Get the young calf. I want you to kill it. I want them to sit down. I want to eat with them. I want to have some fellowship with them. I want to eat with these three men. What about Exodus chapter 24, verse number 9? Exodus chapter 24 and verse number 9. I want you to see another familiar passage of Scripture in Exodus chapter 24 and verse number 9. Now, this is interesting, and actually, I have read this Scripture over and over, but I didn't see it before. And this chapter, the context of this chapter is the Lord was speaking to Moses on Mount Sinai. He was He was giving his covenant to Moses. And as God was giving his covenant to Moses, as God's presence was on Mount Sinai, something happens here that is so interesting. Uh, Exodus chapter 24, look at verse number 9. Then Moses goes up, uh, and he saw the God of Israel, and there under his feet it was like a paved work of sapphire stone. And it was a very... And the very heavens in its clarity. But on the nobles of the children of Israel, verse 11, he did not lay hands on them. So they saw God. They ate. They saw God. And they ate. And they drank. They saw God. And they ate. And they drank. They saw God. And they ate. And they drank. Say with me. They saw God and they ate and they drank. Say it again. They saw God and they ate and they drank. Do you see something very important about people eating together and the presence of God is among them? 
Look at John chapter 21 and verse number four. After the resurrection of Jesus, Jesus is resurrected from the dead. And here Jesus uh, participates in something that I find very interesting. John chapter 21, verse number four. But when the morning had now come, Jesus stood on the shore, yet the disciples did not know it was Jesus. And Jesus said to them, children, do you have any food? And they answered, no. And he said to them, cast your nets on the right side of the boat and you will find some. So they cast and they were not able to draw it in because of the multitude of the fish. Therefore, the disciples whom Jesus loved said to Peter, is it the Lord? Now, when Simon Peter heard that it was the Lord, he put on his outer garment for he had removed it and he plunged right into the sea but the other disciples came in a little in in the little boat for they were not far from the land but about 200 cubits dragging the net with fish then as soon as they had come to the land they saw a fire of coals there the fish had been laid on it and bread and Jesus said to them bring some of the fish which you have just caught Then Simon Peter went up, dragged in the net, land full of the large fish, for there was 153 altogether, so many that the net was not broken. And Jesus said to them, come and eat breakfast. Yet none of the disciples dared to ask, who are you, knowing that it was the Lord. The Lord had breakfast with the disciples. Do you see a parallel here? Genesis chapter 1, three men show up to Abraham, and one of them is the Lord, and he ate with them. In Exodus chapter 24, God is trying to establish his covenant on Mount Sinai, and the people of God ate, and they drank, and they fellowshiped with God. In John chapter number 21, Jesus, who is the Messiah after the resurrection, cooked breakfast for his disciples because he wanted to fellowship with these people. You see, Pastor, what is the significance of all this? I want you to look at our text. This is the significance of what I just read to you. In Luke chapter number 22, I want you to go back to Luke chapter 22, and from this very text, I want you to see three meals that Jesus refers to that you and I can, uh, uh, can see a symbolism of how God works in each of our lives. In Luke chapter number 22, I want you to see verse number 14. If you're there, say a big amen. It should be behind me on the screen. I want you to see this. Luke chapter 14 and verse number 22. Verse number 22. Excuse me, Luke 22 verse 14. Sorry about that. Luke chapter 22 and verse number 14. And when the hour had come, he sat down with the 12 apostles with him. And then he said to them, with fervent desire, I have desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. The very first meal that Jesus refers to, and I'm going to refer to three of them from this passage. Number one, he refers to the Passover meal. And that is what I refer to as the meal from the past. The meal from the past. The Passover meal was the meal from the past. Jesus also refers to another meal, number two, the Lord's Supper. And that is the meal from or for the present. The meal for the present. And number three, there's one more meal in Scripture, and it's called the wedding supper of the Lamb, and that is the meal for the future. The meal for the future. So quickly, the Passover meal is the meal from the past. 
The Lord's Supper is the meal for the present, and the wedding supper of the Lamb is the meal of the future. Now get this, church. There are tons of meals in the Bible. There's a plethora of people eating and fellowshipping with one another. But these three meals are significant. These three meals are the most important meals because in these meals you see the working of the purpose of God in the lives of men and women. And I want to look at them very, very briefly. Number one, I want you to see the Passover meal, the meal from the past. Jesus said in Luke chapter 22, verse 14, when the hour had come, Jesus sat down with the apostles and he said this, with a fervent desire, I have desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. Jesus alluded to the first meal, which is called the Passover meal. Now, if any of you have been in church for any length of time, you have heard us refer to the Passover meal, but maybe you don't understand what the Passover meal is. Jesus is eating here, and he makes reference that he's going to eat the Passover meal with his disciples before he suffers. Now, what is the Passover meal? The Passover meal is one of the most important meals and the most important festival in the Old Testament with the Jewish people. It is the most important thing that the Jewish people could participate in, and this most important thing had to do with food. This meal signified the release of the Hebrew people from the land of Egypt. And every year the Jewish people would gather together with their families and they would share a meal together as they remember what God did for their ancestors years ago. You see, if you know anything about the Old Testament, you'll know that God had a group of people. God loved a group of people. They were called the Jews. They were called Hebrews. Their forefather was Abraham. And these people became in bondage. They were in bondage in Egypt. And the Bible says they were there for 400 years. God's people, the people that he loved, the people that he wanted to establish a nation through, these people became in bondage to Egypt. Pharaoh was their taskmaster. They were slaves in Egypt for 400 years. Now my friends, They wasn't a slave for just a few moments and a few days or a few months. 400 years, these people were in slavery. And the Bible says in Exodus chapter number three, Exodus chapter number three, verse number seven, I want you to see what God begins to say to Moses. Exodus chapter three, verse seven, look at this. And the Lord said to Moses, I have surely seen the oppression of my people who are in Egypt and I have heard their cry because of their taskmasters for I know their sorrows. You see, God said to Moses, Moses, I've heard these people. I heard about these people. These people are crying. These are my people. They're in oppression. They're in slavery. And I'm going to come down and I'm going to deliver them from the hand of the Egyptians. And Moses, I'm going to use you. And I want you to go to Pharaoh and I want you to tell Pharaoh to let my people go. But what did Pharaoh do? Pharaoh refused to let these people go. So you know what God did? God sent 10 plagues on the nation of Egypt. Those 10 plagues destroyed the 10 gods of Egypt. And so God was reprimanding these people, the Egyptians, for not letting his people go. 
And so after nine of the plagues, Pharaoh still wouldn't let the people go. But God sent one more plague, and the plague was this. I'm going to kill the firstborn in Egypt. I'm going to send a death angel, and this death angel is going to walk through Egypt, and they're going to slay the firstborn, the male, the firstborn males of Egypt. Over all the children, that's male, and over all the livestock, it's going to die. But God said, and I get excited about this, but God said, I'm going to make a distinction between the Egyptians and my people. I want my people to go in behind closed doors. I want you to get a lamb. I want you to eat the lamb. I want you to take the blood and I want you to put the blood over your house. So when the death angel passes by in Egypt, the death angel will see the blood and he will pass over you and you and your family will be protected. I don't know about you, but is there anybody in the building that can say amen for the blood? And can I just say this? If the blood of earthly animals, I'm about to shout up any, if the blood of earthly animals could have protected them from the death angel, what do you think the blood of the lamb can do for you? I said, what do you think the blood of the lamb could do for you? And so God says, I'm going to make a distinction between the house of Israel and the Egyptians. And the Bible says in Exodus chapter 12 and verse number 12, Exodus chapter 12 And verse number 12, I want you to see what begins to happen here. Exodus chapter 12 and verse number 12, God says, I'm going to pass over the, uh, I'm going to pass over Israel. I'm going to pass over my people because I see the blood. Exodus chapter 12 and verse number 12, the Bible says this, for I will pass through the land on Egypt on that night and I will strike all the firstborn in the land of Egypt both man and beast and against all the gods of Egypt I will execute judgment for I am the Lord. Now verse number 13, now the blood shall be a sign for you on your houses where you are and when I see the blood I will pass over you and the plague shall not be on you to destroy you when I strike the land of Egypt. So this day shall be to you as a memorial, for ye shall keep it as a feast to the Lord throughout the generations. Ye shall keep it as a feast by an everlasting ordinance. Why is it called Passover? It's called Passover because the death angel passed over them when he saw the blood. And God said, I want you to keep this As a feast for every generation, I want you to sit down with your family and eat the lamb, and I want you to remember what I did for your forefathers, how I saved you from the death angel. I struck down the gods of Egypt. I struck down male and uh, male and um, the the firstborn and the, the beast of the field, but it did not come nigh thee because the blood was on your house. I'm just going to stop off of my text and I want to say something to this church. I prophesy to you that the blood of Jesus has already, you don't need to plead the blood. The blood has already been applied to your life. Though a thousand may fall at my side and ten thousand at my right hand, it shall not come nigh thee. Cause of the blood, pass over you. 
The angel passed over them, and God said, I want you to keep this as a memorial for every generation that I passed over you and saved you from the death angel. Do you know what the Passover meal is? It represents release from slavery. Release from slavery. The Passover meal was the meal of the past. When they came together and they ate together, I want you to remember that I delivered your ancestors from slavery. The other day, Tiffany and I was paying bills and I paid off a few things. Y'all, I'm about to shout. I've been on this Dave Ramsey thing, trying hard to cut back and do whatever. But anyway, and so I paid off a few things and I started dancing in the, my, my uh, living room. So Tiffany got on YouTube and put some praise break music and I started dancing around the autumn in there. And as I was dancing, because I paid off these bills, I honestly heard the Lord say, it's no joke, the Lord said, the weight of your sin is much stronger than the weight of your credit cards. And if you can praise me because you were delivered from that, you better praise me that I delivered you from the weight of your sin. So I started praising God that I was delivered from that and credit cards. Number two, the Passover meal was the meal from the past. Number two, the Lord's Supper is the meal from the present. Look at it. Luke chapter 22. Luke chapter 22 and verse number 19. From our text, Jesus alludes to another meal. He alludes to the Passover meal. He says, I fervently want to eat this Passover meal with you. But I want you to see what also he says. Luke chapter 22, verse number 19. And he took some bread. Do you see that? He took some bread. He gave thanks and broke it and gave it to them and said, this is my body, which is given for you. Do this in memory of me. Likewise, he took the cup after the supper saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood, which is shed for you. In other words, the Lord's supper is the meal for the present. It's a meal that Jesus said that you should participate in. Jesus is participating in the Passover meal, which represents the release of slavery. But Jesus said, when you do it now, when you eat of this bread and you drink of this cup, you used to remember Egypt. You used to remember what Pharaoh did to you. But now, I want to give you a different picture. When you, eat this, when you eat this bread and drink of this cup, I want you now to remember that you are spiritually in sin. I know that your ancestors was physically slaves. They were physically in bondage. They were physically being controlled by Pharaoh. But Jesus is saying, listen, I know you know nothing about that because you didn't live years ago, but I want you to see a different picture. You now are in slavery, but it's a different slavery. It's a slavery of your sin. You are in bondage to your sin. And when you eat of this bread and you drink of this cup, I want you to remember that my body represents this and it was shed for you and it was broken for you. Why? 
Because the Lord's Supper is the release of sin. The Passover meal is the release of slavery. It's the remembrance of what God did hundreds and thousands of years ago when they sat at the table and ate of the lamb and ate the herbs and and they reminisce and read stories. They remembered that their forefathers were physically in slavery. But now when you sit at the communion table, we remember that our ancestors were in slavery, but now we remember that we are in slavery to our sin. No thing and no one could help us. It's the meal for the present. When you eat of this, you drink of this, it's my body and my blood. and It releases you from sin. It's his body, his blood that brings atonement for the sins of the world. Jesus said in Luke chapter 22, he says in verse 16, He says, Luke chapter 22, verse 16, for I say to you, I will no longer eat of this until it's fulfilled in the kingdom of God. Jesus refers to the last meal. The last meal is the wedding supper of the lamb. And Jesus said, I will not eat of this again. I'm going to eat with you, but I'm not going to eat with you again until I eat with you in the kingdom of God. I'm going to sit down at a table. And I'm going to sit down and I'm going to eat with you and I'm going to fellowship with you, but I'm not going to do it until the kingdom of God comes. What is he referring to? He's referring to the last meal. The meal which is called the wedding supper of the Lamb. The Bible says in Revelation chapter 19 and verse number 6, it refers to this great meal, this celestial meal that shall take place at the end of time. This meal that you and I will get to partake of. This sacred meal where all of us will sit down and partake of this. Revelation chapter 9 and verse number 6. And I heard, and it was a voice of a great multitude, the sound of many waters, the sound of mighty thundering, saying, Hallelujah, for the Lord our God reigns. Verse number 7. Let us be glad and rejoice and give glory for the marriage of the Lamb has come and His wife has made herself ready. And to hear it was granted a ray of fine linen, clean and bright, fine linen, righteous, righteous acts of the saints. Then He said, Right, blessed are those who called to the marriage supper of the Lamb. And He said, These things are true, the sayings of God. You see, my friends, John who writes that at the end, there's going to be another supper. He uses the word supper. He doesn't use the word feast. He uses supper. There's going to be another fellowship. There's another supper coming along. And you're going to sit down and you're going to eat together. He says, maybe, maybe this is what Jesus is referring to. That when the kingdom of God has been fulfilled, that you and I will sit together in the endless ages of eternity and have a meal together. And Jesus said, blessed are those who called to this marriage supper of the Lamb. And John said in verse 10, I fell down at his feet and I began to worship. I began to worship. 
And the angel said, see that you don't worship. I'm a fellow servant. I just bear the testimony of Jesus Christ. My friends, the Passover meal celebrates the release of slavery, physical slavery under Pharaoh, living in bondage in Egypt. And God says, I want you to remember every year what I did for you because some of you have spiritual amnesia. You forget what I've done for you. So I want you to do it every year and I want you to tell your children's children's children what I did in the land of Egypt, how I brought you through the land of Egypt. It wasn't the gods of the Egyptians. It was the only true and living God. I want you to tell every generation it was me that delivered you from the hand of Egypt. So every year you do it over and over and over And Jesus sits at the table and he says, I want to eat this Passover meal with you. I want to remember what God did for our ancestors. But I want to tell you something. That for now on, when you eat this bread and you drink this cup, I want you to know that you are spiritually slaves. And my body, my blood is the only thing that could release you from your sin. Passover meal is the release of slavery. The Lord's Supper is the release of sin. The marriage supper of the Lamb shall happen in eternity. Where you and I, after we leave this earth, and after we're raptured, we go to be with the Lord I don't know when it will happen or where it will happen, but I know in eternity that you and I will sit down at a table, the marriage supper of the Lamb, and there will be a celebration, a celebration of the ages. And we'll sit down at the table, and we will fellowship and eat. But we're just not eating for our physical bodies. We're eating to commune with one another and to commune with God Almighty. Oh, my friends, I could see it now, sitting down at the table, looking at the saints of the ages. As I look across the table, I see those who had been martyred in the 13th century. And I look at them, and I ask them, how did you make it over? And I could hear the voices of the martyrs saying, I remember I served Jesus in the year 1309, and I stood up for him and they burned me at the stake but my faith never wavered my trust never wavered my eyes were always on him because I knew that someday I could get to sit at a table and rejoice I could look across the table and I could see the disciples I could see Peter I could see John I could see Andrew. I could see all of them sitting at the table. I'm I'm having conversation with them. And I'm asking them, how did you make it over? And over and over I hear at the table all of them saying, my faith never wavered. My trust never wavered. I looked beyond my present suffering and I saw a city that was not made of pure hands, but the founder and the maker was God Almighty. I looked beyond my present suffering and I knew that one day I would sit down at a table and I would rejoice. I could look across the table and I can see my mama. How did you do it, mom? You were 52 and you died of cancer. How did you do it? 
baby, I looked beyond. I saw a table where it didn't matter the color that you were, what kind of social status you had. Baby, I saw a table where all of us could sit at. Because you know what the table does? The table covers our weaknesses. It covers the limp in our legs. It covers the scars on our hands. The table brings us all together. Do you know what the marriage supper of the Lamb is? It releases us from sadness. The Passover releases us from slavery. The Lord's Supper releases us from sin. And the marriage supper, the wedding supper of the Lamb, releases us from sadness, slavery, sin, sadness. And today, we've come to a table. As we stand at this table, we remember that we too are slaves. But when we partake of the bread and the juice, we remember that we were delivered from the slavery of sin and the shame of Egypt. We were delivered from devil, the devil, the Pharaoh. We were delivered from Egypt, the world. And as we partake and drink and eat, we remember that one day we'll eat and drink again. But this time, we'll eat and drink and tell the story of how all of us made it over. And until then, my friends, keep drinking. Until then, my friends, keep eating. Until then, my friends, keep gathering together. Let's remember the story. Let's eat and drink and remember that the price has been paid. And because it's been paid, you and I can make it. Can you shout?